Welcome to the AP Podcast. Today we have Austin Stout. Welcome, Austin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm super excited to get Austin on the podcast today, guys, because um, he's been in the industry for a while now. He's really into uh, bodybuilding, but also why I brought him on today is because he's so into supplementation and the performance side of things, health. He has his own podcast he has um, that he talks a lot about this kind of stuff. So I want to bring him on and uh, kind of go through what he suggests for um, supplements for performance or whether it's trying to gain muscle mass, lose fat, all that stuff. So uh, first of all, Austin, um, I kind of want to just introduce you, kind of give some background information of, you know, schooling, experience, stuff like that. So what kind of got you into the fitness industry? Okay, so I, I think like most people, I, I got interested through high school sports, you know. I think that's where a lot of people really start with weight training in, in some capacity. Um, now, I would say that most people that lift weights in high school don't really give a crap about their nutrition other than whatever they see in ads. You know, they buy supplements and drink protein shakes and buy test boosters at GNC or whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right. But – uh, I, I was actually a really avid wrestler through junior high and high school. Um, and it was something I was going to pursue in college. I had a scholarship to wrestle, uh, but I actually opted out of the scholarship because it was just a schooling choice, basically where I wanted to go to school. It didn't, didn't jive very well, but the wrestling is really what got me interested in nutrition. Because if you know anything about wrestling, the fighters, boxing, uh, the weight component there obviously is that's a huge, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I mean, people, you got to be super popular. We know people cut tons of weight and all that, you know, uh, I knew that and I knew what it did to me performance wise. And I kind of got interested in it. I'm like, man, there has to be a better way to do this that I don't, I don't feel like crap for the first two matches of a tournament, you know, until my body starts, you know, getting going again. So I looked into it more, started researching and almost everything that I came across was, mostly from bodybuilding forums, um, magazines, stuff like that. I kind of noticed that bodybuilders or physique athletes or just uh, high, anyone that's high level knowledge was kind of ahead of the medical community in terms of the science. Like they were doing stuff that had not been studied. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of how our whole community is. Anyhow, we've already, we do a lot of the stuff that gets studied later. Um, so (laughs) yeah, I hooked up with a guy that I'm still good friends with now. And he was found out he was actually helping an entire wrestling team that was down in his area. And I asked him, Hey, can you work with me on nutrition? Um, this is what I'm doing, you know, and we, so for my last couple of years of wrestling, I actually did a really strict plan. I mean, everything was way just like, just like I would for bodybuilding. Uh, you know, I brought my Tupperware to school every single day. I ate out of, containers at school, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so it, and my performance went through the roof because now instead of cutting 15 pounds a week, I could stay within three to four pounds of my, you know, my weight class, um, pull a little bit of water on a Friday night, weigh in Saturday, good to go, no problems. Uh, so that after that, if anyone that's interested in nutrition and bodybuilding or performance, they kind of get bit by that bug they, you know, they, they run with it. So 
Uh, I actually started after wrestling. I'm like, oh, you know, this weight training thing is really cool. And I've been weight training seriously through routine. I knew a little bit about progressive overload and getting stronger and all the basics of mechanics and stuff. And towards my senior year of high school, um, I actually, at the end of the year, I decided I'm going to prep for a bodybuilding show and compete in the teen division. So I started prep for my first show. I was still in high school and, uh, yeah, so that was, that was really it. I mean, I was prepping through the end of high school and after school as a part-time job, I wanted to, you know, do the whole personal training thing one-on-one. So I got my certificate. So actually this, I was talking to my wife the other day, uh, well, it was somewhat recently about this winter will actually be 10 years since I helped my very first, uh, you know, training client, but, uh, personal training led into, led into more competing, led into nutrition. And I was going to go to school for, uh, for either nursing or physical therapy. And I realized that it's just really not what I wanted to do. Um, and I decided all the prerequisites are the same. So I'd already done all my health prerequisites. So I decided I would pursue nutrition after that. And then I got my uh, bachelor. And I know that we were talking credentials a little bit. Mm-hmm. I did various certifications and stuff. Um, I've had certifications in holistic nutrition, some really hippie stuff that I like. Yeah, um, even, I was even certified in yoga. <laughs> just because I wanted to take the class. Like I, you know, I did some different various stuff like that certified in strength and conditioning, you know, all that stuff. I decided that I wasn't going to go back and get my master's degree because as I, I considered it, but my coaching business that I have now is it just took off. And I, I realized I started looking around through the industry and people that were really successful. And I realized that pretty much nobody has a degree. Like a lot of them, a lot of guys that are really good don't even have degrees, smart guys. Um, and then there are plenty that do. Yeah. There are plenty that do. And, I, and it does look good on paper. I think now in 2018, if you would have talked to me in 2010, um, people were like, oh, a degree, that's stupid. Now, I mean, it is the research-based community is a lot bigger than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot more pertinent than it used to be. But with that said, you can learn anything. You can self you can be self-taught with just about anything it's just some people some people retain information and process information and then obviously you have to know how to apply it that's you know the application is really what we do as coaches that's what you pay for when you get a coach's application Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of where i'm at now i coach uh like about on average like 45 to 55 people is about where my client load is that's kind of what my comfort zone is mm-hmm. seven days a week, all day long, pretty much. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And it's kind of funny how <clears throat> the whole schooling part and with the degree and everything, um, <laughs> so much now, on especially social media or stuff, you see the, well, you, you don't really see the big name coaches that are still producing good guys. Um, you don't, they don't have all these degrees and stuff. Um, it's just like, putting it into application and just trial and error or from somebody else's mentorship and just all that kind of stuff has been almost more beneficial, way more beneficial for me um, than any really the schooling that I've gone through, <laughs> but that's just kind of how it is. Um, but I do agree that the, 
the research-based stuff is coming up a lot more, especially in like the bodybuilding and uh, that kind of stuff. So it's, I was on a podcast. We recorded a podcast yesterday, one of the two that I'm on and they, we talked about um, to be really good at coaching. You have to know the research, but you also have to know when to ignore the research. It's like, it's a weird thing because I apply research all the time. I mean, there's, but there are, there's certain things that they could never have. They could really never have a study where the variables are all set to make it realistic. Like real life. It's just not, yeah, it's just not possible. So, this is um, so much, yeah, yeah. There's so much like new, new, um, how to say it? Like the studies and research is just so much the, the population, the size of it, the quality of the population's, and the amount of studies over a certain population is kind of hard, <clears throat> especially when they have just a lot of new beginner lifters that respond to anything, right, or something like that, or if they have, you know, trained individuals, but then the sample size or the population or the conditions aren't met of, like, making it a high um, or, like, a low p-value or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, um, making it really actually applicable. So, anyways... Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting that you, even out of your mouth and like 10 years experience, all these different certifications and you apply it, but you'd say that you can literally find anything on the internet. I mean, there's a lot and obviously you kind of got to know what to apply and what not to, but I think that's where mentorship kind of comes in, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you have to, and see, that's something that I didn't, we didn't have, well, we kind of had Facebook when I started coaching a little bit but for, it was more so forums and there was the recent amount of research was pretty sparse compared to what we have now. Uh, but luckily like I had a couple people that I kind of followed, but now, I mean, like I have three guys right now that I do mentorship with and the amount of like how much that accelerates their, their coaching potential is incredible. They can't, I mean, there's certain things they're not going to be able to learn. Like I couldn't possibly run them through every scenario, but it, it could literally take five years experience and compact it into a year. And, uh, and it, you know, in, I think in this industry, I know we're not talking specifically just about bodybuilding, but in the health and fitness industry where there's a lot of coaches, it's getting, it's so saturated right now that you have to, you have to be good at it if you want it to be your career. Like I have, I have these guys that come for mentorships. They're like, I want to do this full time. Like, I just want to sit at home and answer emails. I'm like, okay, hold up. (laughs) This industry is really, really tough. Uh, Not only from just coaching people, you can have all the knowledge, you can have all the experience, but then you, now you're also getting into, you're dealing with people and with people, there's always a psychological component too. So uh, that's, and I didn't even mention that I actually minored in psychology in school. So that was, and it was like one of the most useful things that I've probably ever done. Uh, And it's, you can't like, you just can't be ready for every situation. I'd like to say I've seen every type of person. I'm sure I haven't, but, uh, but man, it's, it's tough. And it's, and then you have a lot of people that they just, they seem uncoachable, but you have to know how to relate the material. I think that just about everyone, I'm not going to say everyone, but most people have success within them. If you know how to relate the material to them, 
somehow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, relating, literally, yeah, the word's perfect. I don't even know how to explain it better than that. It's coaching I've seen now, and I'm way younger and less experienced than you, um, and knowledge, everything. But going into this, it's like I see coaching now how much psychological component it's almost more i mean it is more than the actual physiological component to make them for adherence to actually relate to somebody you know what i mean um because i have people that like it cookie like not cookie but like they like it six meals or seven meals you know and like measured out all this stuff how i how i like it you know like the same thing every day all this thing and some clients are just like I can't do that. I need a variety. I need to do this. My schedule is like this. I need to intermittent fast. I need to do this. So I think that the psychological component to relate to them is, is really huge. And I think that um, the number one thing, if you're going to be a coach is what you're saying is, is you got to learn the person that you're trying to help rather than just use one method for all of them. Yeah. It's what's ideal in a bubble is not like, <laughs> it's not ideal necessarily in the real world and it's it yeah it's you have to do different things like what might be ideal as far as producing optimum results I might not even I might have to stray from that a little bit because that's not going to work with their schedule it doesn't work with their personality it just doesn't work with their maybe even their financial situation um, I mean it could be it could be anything and I think that that's luckily for me like I'm, I feel fortunate that I'm that I picked up on that component really good. And I think that's one thing that's made me successful and it's just allowed me to, it's allowed me to coach pretty much anybody versus just picking a niche and, and then sticking with the niche because I have all kinds of, like, if you heard some of the stuff that I do, like I have the couple guys that I mentor and we do some weird stuff with, I do some weird stuff with people because people that you would think just aren't coachable, like, my wife, for example, God bless her. She's, she's like the hardest, not because she doesn't want to adhere to a plan and, uh, and she's not competing or anything. She's talked about it. I don't really push it, but that's a different subject. But you know, she's, uh, she has some underlying health stuff and things that we deal with. And it's very, very difficult. Like it's, it, if it's almost, it's almost like she has, she's pushed me to learn more than anybody that I've ever worked with. And right now she does probably one of the strangest things as far as her meal. She literally eats and you, if you're familiar with fasting at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I take, this is literally what I do with her. I take her, her caloric needs for the entire week and she eats every other day. No joke. No joke. She fasts all day and eats the next day fasts all day and eats the next day. And so she literally just eats on the days that she trains and she fasts, she fasts and just drinks water. I mean, she might drink like a, you know, a diet soda or something or some coffee or something in between on the fasting days. But I mean, it's just, there's nothing with caloric value. If she's very hungry, we'll have something small at the end of the day and I'll just, you know, add it back into the calories for the week. Um, and we're, she's in a growth, you know, quote unquote growth phase right now, most successful growth phase she's ever had. And if I told somebody that they'd be like eating every other day, like that's stupid. And her gym performance is better. She's so much happier. 
her digestive system, which is obviously a big part of the issue. Yeah. That's part of why we do it is the best it's ever been. I mean, we've it's yeah. So you, you run into, you gotta be, you gotta be open to do just about wow. anything. That's interesting. Yeah. That I've never, yeah. I've never really heard. I know I'm just like doing fasting for a day for digestion or, you know, trying to clear that out or whatever. You're trying to get in ketosis. If you're like, you know, trying to push it or whatever, just don't eat for a little bit. Right. Um, every other day, how long has she been doing that? It's so we started doing this and I've, I've full disclosure. I've probably tried everything with her. I've done intermittent fasting. I've done, you know, just smaller, like higher meal frequency, lower meal frequency. Uh, I've used, different types of foods as far as like digestibility, you know, more processed, less processed, all that stuff. And it's, I mean, digestive supplementation, all of that, but she's probably been doing this for at least a few months now. Uh, and through this, like, you know, quote unquote growth phase. And she loves it. Like I, she'll probably never eat another way in her life. Like it, I mean, because she has, <laughs> she has zero problem with it. Um, like I said, she'll get hungry by the end of the fast day and she might, like I said, might eat a little bit, but, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting, but it's hilarious watching her eat on the days that she needs to eat because, well, now I have to fit in all of those calories in one day. So what, you know, what kind of stuff is she going to have to eat? Like I'll have to do, I do, you know, flexible dieting where it's, clean, you know, clean food. And I, I allow a little bit of room for some processed food. Yeah. Food just because we need that for need that caloric value, but it's random. Yeah. And she has typical, like typical female hormonal cravings of stuff. You know, it's like last night, her meal after training was, it was a lot of clean stuff. Like she had turkey bacon, which is this organic stuff that I buy. It's literally like six grams of protein per strip, one gram of fat, nothing else, you know, so clean protein source. Uh, she had a vegetable, she had some unsweetened applesauce and she had organic mozzarella sticks and, <laughs> and, and then she had a Tootsie pop, which is like 15 carbs, but you know, it's like, I, <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's really strange but i mean we make it like we make it work now people are gonna now people are gonna email me after this and be like dude can like can what i kind try of that what other stuff we, you got for me man yeah i've been trying to <laughs> lose weight yeah. i want to do this crazy <laughs> two yeah. on one off yeah no but it's it's interesting you say all this though because um i think that in the schooling system there's ACSM and there's just like the recommendations and NSEA of how to do everything for somebody. Right. <clears throat> and then you have the confidence. And I think that's the, the best thing is to actually research it, but having the confidence to apply it. And that's something you got to get on a, a level with your client and say, Hey, we can try this, but I want to be on the same page in case it doesn't work. If it does, um, because if it does, then exactly what you're telling me right now, it could be the best thing thing they, they've ever done and will continue to do for the rest of their life, maybe even. You know what I mean? Right. 
Yeah, and it because it's sustained like adherence and sustainability is key factor to success no matter what. It's not it's not like and for some people sustainability is literally doing the you know five to six meals every single day. There are people that will do that for the rest of their life. They don't even care. That's fine. They don't that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um I'll probably be one of those people that literally eats. I'll probably always be conscious of my body composition and eating for nutrient density and the way I look. And even when I'm not trying to gain muscle, uh, just because that's who I am and that's what I do. But for her with health things and stuff that I want to manage, like I want her to be able to be healthy for her whole life and do stuff that she can sustain and not hate her life. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think that's great. So, um, kind of wanted to transition though, cause, um, originally we we're going to go in some supplements, but I actually really like that because I think that's a, a big thing now that's going to be separating coaches coming in. Like even myself newly experienced more, rather than you like has 10 years or 10 plus years now, probably, um, that can separate yourself to be successful. Cause you said it's going to be really tough and challenging. Um, but to kind of break away and not do the cookie cutter stuff or try to just like market and just sell and just, you know what I mean? Like run people through this program. Right. Um, but to actually kind of go on a, a client basis of figuring out what's best for them. So I think that was really good. But for supplements, I really want to dive into this. I even got my got supplement shirt on for you today. Okay. And uh, I like it. <laughs> um, you have done some formulations for some companies actually, right? Awesome. Yeah, it's and we talked about it a little bit. It's nothing that I would ever put public. Just friends, mm-hmm. you know, that friend owns a supplement company. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't he probably runs it by other people too, but I literally see every single formulation I've and we always talk about it, sample it, go through, like he'll, he'll message me at just random times. Like, dude, I got it. Here it is. What do you think? You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I enjoy doing that stuff. And I enjoy, I definitely enjoy learning about the supplement component of things. There's a, there's a couple camps about, it. you know, there's that camp that people that are like, Oh, supplements are useless you don't, you know, whatever. Uh, and I think, I think now more than ever, we have a, we have good supplement choices and we have a lot of information about supplements. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone necessarily knows how to apply them hundred percent yet, but we are progressing in the supplement industry mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because I think they're starting to break down more on the supplements, I guess you'd say, even though it's not FDA regulated still, but you can start to get more better quality things, I guess, hopefully now. And there's more research yeah. is done. Um, but what I want to ask you, cause a lot of people listening probably are going to the gym and they are a younger demographic male or female. And they, you know, they see the ads GNC or whoever it is with the pre-workouts that makes you look like this, or you got to drink your protein shake immediately post-workout with this or, you know, creatine, all these different things. Um, I want to ask you some of your top supplements for performance. Um, and you can go actually go like into ingredients 
or, or, you know, specific ingredients rather than like a full, whole entire product. Um, and tell us like, why, like, why would you pick that? So you're okay. not making money and like, you can actually have the benefits, I guess you'd say. Sure. sure. So with, I think I'm trying to think of, I probably put a time frame on it within the last probably three to five years, the, we break things down like the pre intra post workout supplementation. That's a big, it's a really big thing. I think the post workout has actually slowly phased like if that's toned down a lot and now we're, we're really into the pre and intra workout supplementation a lot uh, just because we've realized the benefit of, well, Hey, now we're training our blood flows increase, our nitric oxides increase. These nutrients are getting to our muscles. We can, you know, we can slow down fatigue, we can perform better. Um, we can basically be repairing our tissue before we even leave the gym type of, you know, that's the concept anyhow. So pre like some of the supplements overlap pre and intra workout, but, and part of it's going to depend on budget too. That's always the, that's always a disclaimer also is I can, like I could make somebody like a, pre-work or an intro workout that's like $20 a serving if we really want it because there's so many things out there. But um, just for me, things that I find that are clinically, you know, they have, they have science, they have evidence, they are in within most people's budgets. If I'm looking at pre-workout, I want to do a few things. Um, for this community, I want to probably try to increase, you know, increase blood flow, nitric oxide. I want to reduce fatigue somehow. I want to probably increase muscle pump or, you know, fullness, whether that's like get more water into the muscle and help it swell, open the cells up for hydration or whether that's, um, you know, the blood thinning or the nitric oxide, like I said. So those are probably, those are probably really the main things that I want to do. And then you have, of course, you have the uh, nervous system component, so a stimulants and stuff, which there's, there's tons. And I'll kind of start, like, I'll start there. I'll actually just start with, we'll start with stimulants to kind of talk about that. Um, obviously, tried and true is caffeine. It has ergogenic benefits. It will increase performance. Um, we know that. We know that it increases uh, cognition, so just as far as, like, um, productiveness as far as if even if you're not training it's going to make you more productive for most people uh it helps a lot of people feel better you know you have that dopamine increase um you just feel better when you use it yeah but obviously there are and there are a lot of designer stimulants too there are things that have been banned and things that are illegal and stuff that's kind of come and gone designer when i say designer stimulants is stuff that they've basically taken and man-made it or they move some molecules around and you know and structurally and made it mm -hmm. do something and a lot of these are more like amphetamine type of stimulants yeah the big one was dmaa that was the huge thing back when we had the original like jack 3d um everyone was like oh my god it was basically meth and it's like you know it's basically like taking like adderall you know yeah. it's a it's an amphetamine it's gonna it's definitely going to make you super focused and uh, very productive. Um, but caffeine, 
Now, outside of caffeine, there's not a lot of things that I have people go into a lot of these designer stimulants because sometimes they have weird effects and I just don't know how people will react. Now, people can react differently to caffeine too. There's, I made a post about that yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, like talking about how caffeine's metabolized differently in different people, but uh, it's relatively safe. If it doesn't work, then just don't like, don't use it or adjust the dose. Um, and it's cheap. <laughs> and then, oh, yes. One disclaimer with that, it is cheap, but if some people like to, if they don't buy like a pre-made supplement, I really suggest don't getting, don't get caffeine in powder form because it's really hard to dose. <laughs> it's yeah. Cause I, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's people that have actually died from like, you take like a quarter teaspoon of caffeine powder, you're in trouble. I've actually um, seen, cause I, I wanted to, I've been messing around with like mixing my own pre-workouts and stuff, obviously. And, um, they won't even let you buy it online. I don't think, um, unless it's in a capsulated form or it's encapsulated. So they actually dose it. And I don't know how accurate the dosaging is from those capsulated forms, but they don't, at least I don't know if they actually allow them to sell unless, you know, um, just pure powder now of caffeine. You know what I mean? Yeah. The last, the last overdose I saw was in the UK. So I'm not sure in the States cause I have a lot of clients in different countries too. So now we have, now we're talking about different regulations and there's some weird, like there's some weird regulations between the U S and even just the U S and Canada. There's differences like in Canada, um, ephedrine is over the counter still. It's like ephedrine is, it's a fantastic performance booster and cognitive booster. It's uh, but with any stimulant, like the more powerful it is, the more chance you have to, Usually, the more chance you have to build a tolerance, the more chance you have to uh, become addicted to it. And I don't like. I'll, I would argue this to the bitter end that in the United States, especially probably all over the world, um, caffeine is like one of the most addicting substances. It's really hard to stop, and it's really hard to. to it's really easy to build up a tolerance. Um, I think that you can use caffeine long-term within like certain dose ranges, you know, ranges and stuff. It's not, you're not going to build up a tolerance very quickly. And I can normally what I see with people, this is like a gross generalization, but normally what I'll have clients do is days they don't train. I'm like, okay, let's keep your caffeine minimum. Let's go hundred milligrams or less. That's, you know, maybe that's a cup of coffee or maybe you like, um, maybe you really like that diet cherry Coke or whatever, and you want to have a can or two or something, you know, we're, we can fit that stuff in, but the pre-workouts and taking your thermogenics and all that stuff, you know, we're trying to limit it unless we're real close to a contest prep. And that's literally the only thing that keeps them alive. But you know, it's, then we'll go training days, the dosage. I'll normally say, let's try to stay in that, 300 and below range. And some people it's a little bit less. Um, I noticed that you start getting past that and there's a little bit of literature on it. You start getting past like that three to 400 range yeah. too frequently. Then the tolerance, you start building the tolerance. It's, and it's real, dude, it goes downhill so fast from there. It's really like, Oh gosh, next thing I know I'm taking a pre-workout that has 300 milligrams. I'm drinking two monster zeros and a cup of coffee. I'm like, well, now you're at about 700 milligrams a day. And 
you know, and you still are like barely feeling it. So caffeine. Yeah. That's funny that you bring that up. Cause I literally, <clears throat> this week is the week that I feel like shit because I cut it, cut it all to resensitize everything because, um, I was doing, I was my own Guinea pig for the last month on caffeine. Cause I haven't pushed a caffeine dose past, I want to say in total for a day, really past three to 400, just because I, I just know my body now that like, once I get past that, and I just start feeling like shit in parts throughout the day, just constantly spiking and constantly spiking. But I, I kept, I tested it to see if I could just keep <laughs> caffeine in my blood pretty much all day long. <clears throat> and I noticed some interesting things. I don't know if you've played around with that before, because I feel like shit this week, but it's getting better. But <laughs> um, played along with like, instead of pre-workout 20 minutes, and I don't know the half-life of caffeine entirely, but instead of doing the full full dose, like 300 <clears throat> right before you work out, like 20 minutes or so, um, I had like a couple cups of coffee an hour to two hours prior to like elevate my caffeine levels in my blood. And then I took 200 or 150 milligrams of caffeine, something pre-workout. And I seemed that it almost worked as good or better um, having my levels already heightened and then that little more like peaking. So I don't know if you know anything about that. I was going to actually ask you that personally because um, I don't know what you've done or seen with that. Oh, shit. You there? Nope. Lost your face. Hey, you yeah. I'm still here. Oh. Yeah. You want me to pick up? Yeah, perfect. That's, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, so there was actually some older studies. and I'm not, well, by older, I don't know how old they are exactly, but the tolerance, like the amount of caffeine that you can actually ingest in a serving, there was some stuff they did with like body weight, differences in body weight and stuff, and just bigger people can take more. Um, the dosages were really high. Like they were, they were really, really high. Um, but obviously then you have the tolerance and all that. But as far as like what you're doing, like the stepping stool type approach, uh, I actually do something similar on my training days when I do take in caffeine really? and I like it like that. Like, oh, holy shit. Really? Yeah. I, and I did it. I did it by mistake. Like I That's, didn't, yeah. it, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't intentional, but so like today, since I work from home, I try to, um, I pretty much work. I mean, I'm pretty much like answering emails all day long. So I can, I'm like, I got to go to the gym, figure out whenever I can go. So I'd normally go around midday or early afternoon because it's not too busy. So mm-hmm. let's say I'll have, I'll have a little bit of caffeine in the morning. Maybe it's like a hundred to uh, maybe like leading up to my pre-workout. I'll have like one to 200 milligrams in that span. And then pre-workout, I might have another 100 to 150 milligrams. And I'm like, I feel pretty decent. Like, I don't feel, I feel like my dopamine levels are up. I feel positive, like that euphoric type feeling. Yeah. But I feel, I feel really controlled. I feel everything's productive. I'm not going to die later because I just took in 400 milligrams. And also, you mentioned half-life. 
So with the half-life, it depends on how you metabolize it, but a half-life of caffeine is like, could be like five to six hours, give or take. And this is the thing that gets people a lot is that they train a lot of people that especially that train in the evening, they take in their caffeine and they don't really feel it later in the day. So let's say they, even though they fall asleep, okay, the caffeine that's still present in your system is going to interrupt your REM sleep. Okay. So it's, you're not, your sleep quality is not as good. Like you might you might fall right asleep. You're like, oh, I'm fine. But I'm like, no, the caffeine's still in your system because for in order for it to clear, it could take 10, 12 hours. And I mean, if there's, you know, if there's like 20, like 20 milligrams in your system or something, it's probably not a real big deal. If there's a little bit left that you haven't excreted yet. But if you train at six and you took Mr. Hyde at five that has 400 milligrams, like, and you go to bed at 10, I don't care how tired you are. There's still a lot of caffeine left in your blood and it will interrupt your sleep quality. And the only way that people kind of figure that out is that if I have them go completely off of it or just train a couple days without it, um, they're like, Oh my gosh, I fell asleep the same, but my sleep quality was so much better and I feel so much better. I don't feel like I even need the caffeine now. And, uh, and I think a lot of people think I'm like anti-caffeine, but I'm not because I use it. It's just that there's, I think there's certain ways to use it. So also a couple other little things on stimulants is there are some timing, there are some timing issues. So let's say somebody does work out in the evening mm-hmm. and they still want to get a little bit of stimulation. They don't want to interrupt the sleep or whatever. One thing that I've done with evening training, because once in a while I'll, I'll go in and train with my wife in the evening, and it's probably like, we'll say like 5.30, we'll go to bed around 10, 10.30, because I typically get up pretty early. So I don't want, if I have caffeine in me, like it, I don't want it to be a lot, because I want most of it to clear. But if I want some stimulation, this is a little trick, and I don't put this one out there a lot, but I'll actually use nicotine. Um, mm-hmm. Because that half-life is only about two hours, and it hits you in about two minutes, um, and it takes very little. That's weird. Oddly enough, like I've never smoked. I don't. I'm definitely not addicted to nicotine by any means because I'll use it just sporadically whenever that I need to, like whenever I feel it's like appropriate timing-wise, mm-hmm. um, and I never crave it because. The disclaimer with nicotine, I say that people are like, oh my gosh, nicotine. I'm like, well, nicotine itself isn't really necessarily the harmful component of smoking. It's the carcinogens and inhaling smoke into your lungs. Mm -hmm. But nicotine is a stimulant. It has, of all stimulants, it probably has the best dopamine and euphoric effect. I mean, there's people that do it in prep a lot that they're like, especially for like appetite suppression, Mm -hmm. you can take. A cigarette, let's say it has like 8 to 15 milligrams. I'm just giving like a rough estimate. If you take one, if you've never smoked and you're not, don't just like abuse the shit out of stimulants. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, but um, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if, you take, if you take one milligram of nicotine, you're like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. I mean, I'll do, I'll do one to two milligrams. I'll buy a little four milligram piece and I'll like bite. I'll just like bite the, the end of it off and put a piece of, you know, regular orbit gum or whatever 
in my mouth, um, chew it, you chew it, put it like chewing tobacco wood, and then read it. Um, like I said, half-life's only about two hours, and so if I take a milligram or two of nicotine at, at like five o'clock or maybe four, then it's pretty much gone by the time I go to bed. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't hurt anything. And, or during the day, if I just need to get something done really fast and I don't want to take a bunch of caffeine, I just need like, I need, I need an hour. Okay. I'm going to chew like one milligram of nicotine, not very much. And I am like, holy crap, I got everything done. Makes me super productive. Um, so that's a little trick if people want to experiment with it. Just start really low. Don't, if you buy, you can buy two to four milligram pieces. Um, I just get the off brand. It's like whatever generic because it's the Nicorette stuff is really expensive, but it, uh, they normally come two to four. Don't take it all your first time because if you pop four milligrams, you are going to be dizzy and probably lightheaded. You might even throw up. Um, yeah, you might even, it's, it'll make you feel really strange, but, uh, nicotine's cool stuff. Um, and like I said, appetite suppression. The other one that's really new that I have to mention because a lot of people ask is, uh, Um, a lot of people ask me about it. I've used it. And one of the cool things is you don't build a tolerance to it very easily. Mm -hmm. So in theory, in theory, you don't have to keep titrating up your dose all the time because it doesn't, you know, you just don't build a tolerance. So that's cool. That's obviously beneficial. Biggest downside for me personally is the half-life is really, really long. So, uh, and I don't even know that we necessarily have a 100% answer on how long the half-life is because I've seen some studies, but again, then you have like individual variants of, you know, how you metabolize it. I mean, I've seen stuff that said the half-life was like 24 hours and I'm like, you can't even like, how are you going to, you can't clear it out of your system because it's yeah. going to be there all day. And I've seen others that say like 12 hours, you know, um, if you took it in the morning, dosages can be anywhere from like one to 300 milligrams, kind of give or take mm -hmm. kind of similar to caffeine dose. Then it works good with caffeine if you want to if you want to use them together in like smaller doses, so you don't build up as much tolerance. Someone that trains in the morning, that would probably be really good for them. Um, they wouldn't have a crash afterwards. That stimulant would still be in their system for a while and kind of taper off really slow. That way, there's no dive, um, and they can still sleep at night. I don't know if I buy into 24 hours. I mean, I really don't know for sure. But uh, yeah, I would say those three. I, like I said, I don't really get into the designer ones a lot. I think the only thing people should watch for is just know how to read labels and stuff because they hide caffeine a lot in, in products. Yeah, I was going to ask so, you, um, you were kind of talking there about people who train in the evening, and that brings up a good point. I was going to ask you about, do you use, um, what is that, theanine or uh, is it tyrosine? For the, it blocks that, that response to, so it kind of helps <clears throat> clear the caffeine out. I don't know if it, I don't know if it clears the caffeine out or if it just blocks the response. So you don't have the, you know, the stimulation, you know what I mean? I'm looking up an ingredient right here and I, cause I can't pronounce it to save my life. I need to make sure I, I'm trying to pronounce it right. Um, 
let's see. <laughs> I hate when you can't um, pronounce that shit because there's a lot of different ingredients. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Ah, I'm trying to think of what it's called. It starts with an R. Oh, gosh. I'll tell you what. I know what product it's in. Um, but anyhow, I can continue talking on it. So, so theanine. Uh, theanine increases GABA levels. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the cool thing about theanine is, yeah, yeah, you, it crosses the blood-brain barrier a lot better than GABA because you can just buy GABA supplement, and GABA will give you like a weird tingling and stuff, so you feel like it's working. But I, I feel that theanine actually works way better. Um, it's I have all kinds of people use theanine. I don't want to abuse it because it, with any anything that affects neurotransmitters like GABA, serotonin, dopamine, you don't want to constantly be bombarding your receptors with it because you know what else affects dopamine all the time? Cocaine, meth, like, you, you know, the reason you want that stuff constantly is because, you know, it's right. feels good. So yeah, exactly. Um, that's why I don't do any recreational drugs because I would probably become addicted, but <laughs> No, that's not good. <laughs> well, you cool. can so you can dose that th uh, theanine though, and um, and it and it um, uh, so for people taking caffeine later in the evening, um, maybe because for example, somebody who's dieting, they're on their thermogenic, right, and <clears throat> they got this cool thermogenic, and their um, the workouts are just going great but they had to take it around four or five in the evening or later and they're wanting to try to get to sleep still. I guess, does it, does taking theanine give you better quality sleep by releasing the caffeine out of your blood or the, the caffeine is still in your blood? It's just blocking the, the neurotransmitters from the effects of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, it's not really going to cleanse it any quicker but it definitely dulls the effects a lot. Uh, there's a couple ways I'll use theanine or theanine. Um, just for general anxiety, it works really good. It's not really super sedative if you, as long as you don't take a ton of it. And it's, uh, it's smooth, it smooths things out. So people that, or for example, people that use those stimulants and they want the performance, but they get really jittery and anxious and, they, and they're not focused, they're kind of just all over. Theanine really focuses it in. Um, the other would be people that use Yohimbine HCL for fat loss. Some people don't have any issues with it. They can take like 25 milligrams of it, some crazy doses. And other people, they take like one, two and a half milligram cap and they like, they're freaking out. Um, so yeah, it's a, Unfortunately, it's that one. I'm not high tolerance to that shit. Cause I use yeah. Yohimbine with myself and with clients and stuff, especially yeah. for this prep. And I, I feel like, I don't know if those receptors are like just <laughs> fucking burnt out, burnt out or what, but, um, yeah, some people two and a half milligram, those, uh, I don't know what company that is, but they do two and a half instead of three milligram tabs. And, um, they just, they're like, holy cow. And then a big one of that, they're like arousal level is increased a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a, in some of the male enhancement formulas and stuff, but I mean, it, it does that for some people. I mean, I'm, I don't really notice it a ton, but I do notice that like I have a good tolerance for it. So for fat loss, I'll use it. But if people don't react well or just don't react well to stimulants in general, the theanine can, 
can really smooth things out and make you more productive. Um, you could consider it like a nootropic, I guess, kind of. Um, and then at night, yeah, it'll definitely take the edge off so you can sleep. Uh, I'll do that, especially in like people that are deep into a fat loss phase or a contest prep. When I just, you know what, I don't care if they use it every day. We just need to try to get quality sleep because things are just really, you know, their circadian rhythm is just off at this point. So I'll use dosage. If you want to use it during the day, I would say one to 200 milligrams is pretty standard. If you want to use it at night, more so for sleep, you can go closer to the 300 range for it. Um, most people don't have any issues with that. It starts getting a little more sedative, like the more you take. Uh, mm -hmm. But the other, so I found the other ingredient okay. and it's called rutacarpine. Okay. And uh, I'm not even about saying on, it right, on, but on. it's, hold on. Right when you were going to say it, it started to glitch. Okay, one more. Start over. Start over. So the ingredient is called rutacarpine. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but that's what it looks like. But it's – so this is actually an ingredient that does speed up the um, excretion of caffeine. So oh. this is interesting. Now, it has a really big downside, though. The downside is that – it seems to, most of the, the literature seems to point towards it taking a little while for it to work. Like if you, you would have to take it for continuous days for it to like, you know, build up in your system for it to work. Uh, so I guess if you were in, like if you were in a prep for the end of the fat loss phase or something, and you were just using caffeine daily at that point, just because you needed it for that, you know, way I know how it goes. Yeah. So it's uh that could be beneficial then if you build it up. You're looking at like anywhere from like one to three hundred milligrams. Um it acts on it acts on the the liver actually metabolizes mainly in the liver. So the other downside is that the enzyme that processes it also metabolizes a lot of other drugs. So there's like there's a big chance that you could kind of affect metabolization of maybe like you take an antidepressant or you take a lot of other things. So that's kind of like, that's kind of the downfall of it. Like it's come up in some products I've seen it. The concept of it's really cool. I just, that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of ways that it could interrupt other things. So kind of, no, I said, yeah, cause I've never, I've never seen or, or like, been exposed to using anything like that um almost kind of like a a gda for for caffeine <laughs> it's kind of crazy so um yeah i'll have to actually want to look into that um that and kind of see and because i train in the evening and that's why i have to use you know <clears throat> either tires or uh, theanine or um something like that would a lot But anyways, I just have someone walking. No problem. No, hey, but so what the hell are we talking about? Stimulants. Okay. Stimulants pretty much just caffeine or performance. If you're not gonna if you're not like a person getting into some crazy like a contest prep or something for high level performance, because also you can get like ephedrine over the counter still at the pharmacy not over the counter but you can you can pretty much get it over the counter 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but I don't suggest that for somebody who's just wanting to kind of generate weight loss or something like that. Um, plus if you're in like a sport, like definitely you're going to get probably busted for that. Um, if you're getting tested, but I'd say that caffeine as well. Yeah. Caffeine. And I've been messing around with those dosages and like the tolerance and the stepping thing, like you said, and I, it makes me feel really good that you actually had the same effects of kind of running into it by accident of the stepping stone because I was like, fuck, like I feel like these workouts are more controlled, but I still have like a lot of energy. You know what I mean? Like I was lifting heavier weights and then I just, I don't know. It was crazy. So, um, kind of verified that, but you also talked about uh, getting into some nitric oxide boosting stuff. So what in your opinion, would you go to now? I know there's been so many new things over the last like fucking five years, you know, started like just regular or old stuff like arginine and then derivatives of arginine going into agmatine sulfate and different things. What do you suggest? Okay. So yeah, arginine was kind of one of the originals, but I think that we found that there's stuff that's better. Uh, I would say probably number one, the, the top two are probably agmatine sulfate and citrulline malate or, or just free form citrulline. Uh, so citrulline malate is just citrulline bound to malate. There's not like you can, that's what you see in most formulas. That just means that it's not hundred percent citrulline. There's a little bit of that malate that it's bound to, but, um, so usually the issue here with a, like a lot of other ingredients is that they just don't put enough in a lot of the formulas is, you know, so it just doesn't work very well. Um, but with citrulline, the good formulas that actually do put a high enough dose, you're looking at probably, I would say minimum, depending on what you're doing, you're probably looking at like four grams. You can start going up towards six and eight grams. Um, if you're really looking for just maximum nitric oxide, you could just, you could do eight grams. If you're not worried about like having a big pump and stuff, if you're, if you're an athlete and you are doing something like an, some kind of endurance sport or something that you just don't want to be, you know, lose your grip while you're cycling or mountain biking or something, you might not want to take, you might not want to have like the super huge forearm pump. Okay. Obviously. So you could probably go towards a little bit lower dose. Uh, but yeah, citrulline malate is really cool. Has tons of studies. It's, you're looking like, like I said, four to eight grams. Um, it's, I mean, I don't think anyone would really argue that it's not effective at this point. It's yeah. pretty good ingredient. Uh, you can find, like I said, you can find it in bulk or find it in pre-made formulas. Uh, as far as the agmatine goes, a lot lower dosing. I've done anywhere from like effective doses, you'll see stuff maybe like as low as 500 milligrams, maybe a little bit less, but I've worked, like myself, I've experimented with higher stuff as far as like two grams probably it's about the highest go about two grams now it does have some cool you know i don't know that i notice it a lot because i'm pairing it with like a stimulant that also gives me that um you know mood elevation but it's supposed to have some antidepressive effects i don't like i said i don't personally notice it. I've never taken it by itself in an environment that I could probably evaluate it very fairly, but, um, for just, you're looking for just like maximum nitric oxide, blood flow, 
you could do just start at you know about a thousand milligrams and see kind of mess with it. You can go anywhere from that one thousand to fifteen hundred if you want to try two grams. It's I mean I've never seen no one's gonna have probably really bad effects at two grams. So just kind of mess around with it. Uh, just gonna have uh, some strong flavored BCAs to mix with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it it's, doesn't taste very good. So <laughs> definitely. And that's something too. It's not necessarily directly related, but if you're looking at, like, if you, if you look at some of the really good products that clinically dose things, uh, they're hard to flavor. Uh, I don't, I've never flavored anything. I'm not in the manufacturing or anything, but just from what I've talked about with people, um, if you have, if you have like a gram of agmatine, eight grams of citrulline, you have a bunch of glycerol, you have like beta alanine, you have all these things. It's like that stuff is hard to it's hard to flavor twenty grams of ingredients, yeah, and make it taste like you know cherry Kool Aid or whatever. So it's like you know, um, but yeah, that's right. Those are two. Those are probably two of my favorite as far as just nitric oxide goes. Now, kind of uh, piggybacking off of that because those that's going to be like pump ingredient, you know, blood flow. If you want just pure pump ingredient. As far as like hydrating the muscle, pulling as much intramuscular water and nutrients in, then we'd probably go to glycerol would be uh, the best for that. I believe glycerol was probably first used by runners and like endurance athletes and cyclists for, they called it like ultra, ultra hydration. So what they found was they could, they could take this glycerol and ride, they could super compensate with these nutrients and fluid that they wouldn't be able to cram in there. Otherwise they found that the glycerol was like a, you know, was an extra storage unit for them. So they use that. Uh, but with the glycerol, it's again, if you're looking for the hydration aspect and not necessarily like the pump aspect, you want to be careful because if you're pounding a bunch of water and you are, let's say rock climbing, you don't want to be like completely jacked, like your delts and arms completely pumped where you can't grip the wall. So <laughs> you're probably going to want to go, you know, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you're probably going to want to go it. Well, I should also say that this depends on the form as well. Um, you're going to see two major forms in a lot of the formulas. Glycerol monastery is the cheaper form takes a little bit more. It's not as absorbable you know, yada, yada, yada. And then Hydromax glycerol is a little bit better form. Um, you probably see Hydromax in a lot of the formulas now. A lot of the better formulas are going to have Hydromax in it. It takes a lot less. Uh, it will, it's going to be pretty effective, clear down to probably like a gram. You could go higher though. I mean, you formulas, if you're looking for pure pump, you can go like five, six grams, um, even more. Like I've experimented with it. There's, there is a cap on it. It will cause GI distress if you go too high. Uh, but if you are using glycerol, it is a really, one time that I would say glycerol really shines is with, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're not eating a lot of carbs mm -hmm. and you're kind of depleted. I can pretty much still always get a pump if I take glycerol and drink enough water and have electrolytes. I was going to say, yeah, uh, sodium is in some yeah. glycerol and some water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. And the thing is I'll, I'll piss the whole workout. Like, cause I I'll drink like, you know, like 
half to three quarters of my daily water in the two hour window. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'll drink a ton of water, have five, six grams of glycerol or my pre-mate, you know, whatever formula I'm using. Um, and it, it definitely, it definitely gives a good pump. Um, you'll notice too formulas that are really high dose with glycerol. The powder is actually like slightly sticky and clumpy. Um, you can't, you can't like, there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can, they can't do anything to the product or put any kind of special packet in there or anything really to make it perfect. So some of the products get kind of sticky, uh, but glycerol is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can, you could do the same thing with any form of glycerol. If you wanted, you could do like, you could do like cheap vegetable glycerin that you could just, that's like food grade. Um, I've done it. And I had a friend that did it and he was working up to like 25 grams or some, you know, crazy shit with it just to see like, Hey, how much of this can I take? And what That's effect what will it have? Before getting on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Just as much glycerol as you can take without crapping your pants, basically. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Show day was like, all right, let me uh, get some glycerol in some, some salt and drink a little bit of wine and I'll be good to go. Right. Yeah. So, Glycerol is pretty cool. It's, you can, it definitely works. Um, it's so glycerol itself is actually just a, it's basically a, the backbone of fatty acids. It's, it's, um, glycerol is found in fatty chains. So that's really what, that's really what it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Nitric oxide and pumps. I would say those, those are probably your big, uh, your biggies. Um, there are some other things. I mean, there are some smaller stuff out there that's, kind of some niche ingredients. Like one thing that I've been experimenting with lately, if anyone's interested is, uh, it's called fruit flow. It's a, actually a t- tomato extract. So it comes from, well, it comes from tomatoes, but what it does, is, yeah, it thins your blood like aspirin. So like baby aspirin. Uh, yeah. Right. They supposedly the effective dose is about three grams. Um, so the formula that I have, it's, I think it's like Swanson brand. It comes in capsules. There's a thousand milligrams of cap. I take three grams pre-workout. I don't know if that's what it is, but my pumps the last week have been like stupid, huge. So I mean, maybe, <laughs> um, like, there's I, other I, I don't know if you, have you ever used, um, this is, I would always wanted to try this. And I went to Mexico last month and I wanted to try this and I didn't end up doing it because it was still expensive as hell. But the citrulline and Cialis combo that is always talked about in like bodybuilding. Um, I don't know if you've ever got to try that, but, um, and I don't really know the mechanisms, but like, like, I don't know. I don't know. But it seems like just trying different things. I was just throwing it out there. If you've ever tried that. Yeah, so stuff that's not like necessarily you okay. You can get Cialis over the counter. Like yeah, you can buy it. But it's not for human consumption. So yeah. not, we won't go into all that. I'm sure you could probably you probably get your doctor to prescribe it if you want. You just tell them like they throw that shit out like candy. You can tell them that you need it and they'll probably give it to you. But um so Cialis is Cialis and Viagra, they're um PDE5 inhibitors is what they are. So they do increase, they increase blood flow. Um, they obviously increase blood flow to specific entities, but that's, that's only. 
Dang, I lost you. Hey, we still there? I lost you. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you see me? I can see you. You're not talking though. You're just you're just a frozen frame. But you can hear me. You know what? Hang on one second, okay? All right. Let me switch to my my home oh. Wi-Fi. Okay. Let me see if that holds connection any better. You have me now. Oh, oh, is he there? Yep. Okay. Anyways, yeah, we didn't have to talk about that if you didn't want to, but I thought that was just yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I've I've used it, so I'll I'll tell him. That's fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Dude, I yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, do, I don't talk about like I'm sure you're gonna splice some of this stuff out, but I don't talk about like anything really that's like really illegal. Like I just don't. I know a lot of people talk about that stuff openly, but I don't. So, um, not, not for like me personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll pick back up. Okay. So Viagra and Cialis are PD five inhibitors. They increase blood flow. They will work for a pump. They work really good. The main differences between the two are, uh, ones whether well, there's a few differences, but the main one being just how fast they work. Uh, Cialis stays in your system a lot longer. It's, uh, that's why I think over the counter, a lot of people have used that as like a daily use. So like, you know, people that use it for erectile dysfunction, they take a, a low dose every day. They know that it's, you know, they know that it's going to work when they need it. It's always there, you know, so on and so forth. And then they, they have Viagra would be like, we need it right now type of thing. Um, so you could use Cialis, like it has other benefits as far as blood pressure goes. There's some cardiovascular benefits to it as well, but it's, if you wanted personally, like if you want to, you wanted like just, just a pump for maybe backstage or just a session, uh, Viagra actually works quicker. Um, it seemed like as long as you don't use too much, it seems like most people tolerate it pretty good. Um, so, but I mean, you could really, you could really use either and they do give you, I mean, they will, they will definitely help the pump. I mean, they're going to help with vascularity, help with everything. So, I mean, yeah, they, they definitely work. Um, Viagra, I think like people typically use it around. God damn it. <laughs> like 25 and headaches and stuff from it. So you don't, you know, you don't really want to have a big headache while you're trying to train. So, you know, more isn't necessarily better. And Cialis could be, it could mean for people that are prescribed it for daily use, it could be like five milligrams. They use very, very little. Um, you could use more if you weren't using it every day. Uh, you know, because Hey, if it, the thing is too, is it's going to, if you take Cialis for a pump, it's going to still be in your system at night. If you have any kind of uh, activities going on. So you know, you don't want to like, you don't want to abuse it every single day. And then next thing you know, is like, 
you will you will have a hard time without it at some point like at some point right there could be an issue so it's not something that you would want to use all the time but let's say you know twice a week you have a weak body part that you really want to bring up like your arms suck and you want to get as big a pump as you can as most advantageous environment as you can you're going to train that day two days a week probably not going to have an issue so yeah definitely it could be used for sure interesting no yeah that's that is then um a good thing like you kind of broke it down in a way of actually benefiting instead of just hearing all the hype about it from different forums and stuff like that but um moving on to so we did vasodilation we did stimulants anything else you want to add for the pre stuff or you want to go like into the intra uh we could do i'd say one other thing that a lot of i mean there's Again, our disclaimer is there's a there's a ton of ingredients, so we're not going to possibly be able to cover everything. We're just hitting some big ones. But another one that people are probably going to want to know about would be beta alanine, I would think. Um, and so, or even you could do I'll say beta alanine and creatine. So we'll say I'll just say both um, with beta alanine and creatine. You don't necessarily have to take those things. Uh, pre-workout they're ingredients that once you build up saturation in your muscles it's there you're good to go you can take your creatine whenever you take your beta alanine whenever um some people like the tingles and stuff the beta alanine give them so they're, they take it pre-workout because it gets them i don't know excited but um yeah but uh beta alanine is an interesting one because some people say it's completely useless but i think that it has some use depending on the population it works good if um, you're set, like if you're doing, if you're a power lifter, it's probably pointless to take because your rep ranges are low. Um, you're not really getting in really far into that lactic acid threshold. So it's probably not going to do you that much good. Uh, if you are training really high reps or you're an endurance athlete, um, you're probably going to get some benefit from it if your bouts are long enough. So, you know, during because a set, like it's, and because of, is it, isn't it like a lac, uh, lactic acid buffer? And so you're right. kind of like push the hydrogen uptake a little further. Right. So that's, that's what it does. But the thing is, like I said, is some people will say, oh, it's useless for bodybuilding because your set would have to be a minute long or whatever. But if it's not really expensive, so like if it's already in a formula or you want to add it in separately, as a daily dose, it will help if you're doing a big drop set, if you're doing a big high rep set, like it, it does. I think that, you know, maybe it's placebo for me, but I, I do truly think that it does help in those situations. And then it will help endurance athletes. So for me, all through the winter months, I, I still volunteer coach with two wrestling teams and I, I go, well, I go, I wrestle the whole practice, like two hours, you know, with the bigger guys. And wrestling and they're taught like they're long practices and they you know so i'm basically wrestling with a bunch of young guys the whole time I mean, i'm not old obviously but um in a situation like that where you're basically tensing all your muscles continuously it's absolutely you know it's absolutely beneficial so context yeah it just depends on how you're using it yeah for sure gotcha and i like using it too just feel like just the little bit of increase in body temperature and stuff um, yeah. I love that 
that part of it because it makes me, I don't know, just the lubrication of everything. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I do. I do like it. I think it's a really cool ingredient to put in like a non, if you're not using stimulants, it's like, Oh, exactly. wow. Almost it is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. But so. so yeah. And then, and then creatine you said, um, kind of mixed in there. Um, so you're saying you like to use, well, I like to use creatine a lot, like a lot more than what other people probably use, but I do pre intra and sometimes post as well. Not saying there's any more sign literature for benefits and all this stuff, but how do you kind of go about, do you like using it just straight pre workout? Uh, I, yeah, I normally would throw it in like pre or intra just because that's the most convenient time because it makes like, you know, mix it into whatever shake deal that I got going on. So, uh, but it's the reason I said time specific was because once you reach muscle creatine saturation, you know, once you reach that saturation point, basically you're just taking it to maintain that. That's why you can take, you know, you're taking a daily dose. Um, it's, you are going to get creatine from meat and stuff like that. Um, I would argue that it's, probably not quite as absorbable as a pure creatine monohydrate because you know your body's also sorting through a lot of other nutrients um that sounds like really bro sciencey kind of thing but i mean creatine is so super cheap that it's like worst case scenario is if you do need let's say you only your body needs like three grams a day to be at saturation and you're taking 10 well it's like the cheapest supplement there is besides maybe and there's sure there's some other things that are cheaper, but it's super cheap. Worst case scenario is you're just going to convert it to creatinine and you're going to excrete it and it doesn't really matter. So, you know, it's not, it's not going to damage your kidneys. No. If you're, you're drinking water, like people, yeah, you're drinking water, everything's hydrated. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not really, so there's not really an issue there. Uh, so I pretty much have, everyone included just because they might need it and it's cheap. So why not? Yeah, basically. I agree. I agree. Well then for intra, um, that's a pretty much probably the biggest transition recently would be intra workout nutrition coming up from <laughs> it used to be like Milo Sarchev's, you know, hyperemia just like he he was on the back burner because social media wasn't out yet and all that stuff well maybe it was but not really you know to the depth it is now but anyways him and then now like you know meadow john meadows and then like i don't know other coaches are pretty much going hardcore kind of founding that stuff but um i feel like doing intra-workout nutrition is really 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 advantageous if not the most now rather than people it used to be post like you said but now interest is becoming so big even though <clears throat> we're probably talking about carbohydrates even though in school i have had this debate now with my professor almost every time about <clears throat> there's no benefits to having uh carbohydrates for resistance training benefits for having carbs or even essential amino acids or anything because you're not depleting glycogen really that much, you know, or all this stuff. So I like to get your take on um, using um, intra workout supplements and what you would suggest. Okay. So there would be, this could be a situation where you might like take some, 
science and some of the mechanistic stuff and kind of kind of push it aside a little bit because if for a lot of people that take intra-workout carbs and they notice a benefit i'm like i really don't care what science says because it works so i don't care (laughs) you know what i mean uh but yeah it's like weight training in general is not depleting glycogen nearly to the extent that people think that it does um yeah i mean because it's mostly it's mostly anaerobic quick sets um you're going to deplete some glycogen for sure but you're not going to fully deplete your body of glycogen stores in a workout that's absolutely ridiculous there's no way and it won't happen like people that get depleted in a like a contest prep phase or a, a long fat loss phase like that takes weeks to do um to fully deplete the body unless you're already partially depleted and then you know you might deplete yourself in a weight training session but if you take a normal person that is not in a calorie deficit that's eating the gain muscle for example no it's not gonna happen so why would we use intra workout well it does seem to provide some performance benefit um, for a lot of people and provide a better, you know, a better muscle pump, uh, better endurance. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think one of the main reasons is we are using the type of carbohydrate we're using makes a difference. So we want a carbohydrate that is going to basically hit the bloodstream as quick as possible. Um, if you don't have, if you're not taking carbs in your workout, then you're pulling like glycogen that you need. You're, you're having to pull it from your muscles and you're going to utilize it. Okay. Or whatever, you know, whatever blood glucose is circulating in your blood, your body's going to use some of that too, but it can't just keep using that because then your blood sugar would drop and you bottom out. So like your, your body is having to release something. Maybe it's from your liver. Maybe your liver's dumping some glucose Mm -hmm. or maybe that your muscles are dumping some glucose, but something, um, even when your adrenaline goes up during training, the stress, those stress hormones will heighten blood glucose levels. So, I mean, like your body has tons of mechanisms to make sure that you have glucose. Like there's a reason that people can fast. Otherwise you would just bottom out and you would (laughs) die. So, you know, but you know, with the intro workout stuff, people, people genuinely notice a benefit as long as you're using the right type of carbohydrate. So typically with the carbs, a lot of the popular ones are going to be uh, highly branched cyclic dextrins. That's probably the big one. Um, there's some other ones that I like, like carbolin, which is basically like a modified starch. I do really good with it. Like, I, and it's cheaper. It's so cheaper than, yeah, yeah. it's cheaper than the HBCDs. I have zero gastric problems and I don't have, none of my clients have issues with it. So if it's like a budget thing, I'm like I truthfully don't notice the difference between the two. Um, if it's just, like in smaller amounts, if people are really on a budget and I want to put carbohydrates in their workout, then we could even use like a dextrose or like a Gatorade powder or something. So there might be cases I use that. There's even cases where like context stuff, like they have, they're eating so many calories that intra-workout is another place that I can add calories in that they're going to digest stuff really easily. Um, and it's a, you know, they don't have to eat more food. But that's not most people, but you don't want to, the reason that you want to use carbohydrates that um, basically hit the bloodstream quick, they have 
fast gastric emptying is because you don't want your body pulling a bunch of blood into your stomach to digest them because you want that blood in your muscles. So that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons we're using those type of carbohydrates. They are not cheap necessarily, but they, they work. Um, and dose, like, the, the amount can vary a ton. I mean, I've had people that if I'm getting down in like the 20 gram range or something super low, I'm probably just gonna be like, all right, I just want you to just eat the food and you're going to enjoy chewing your calories more. I'm not really worried about intra-workout at this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're 25 grams or over 50 grams, I've had, I've had, I have a guy right now that eats or that not eats, but drinks 175 grams of carbs during his training. Um, yeah. And he has, he has no gastric problems that whatsoever, none. Um, and he actually has hydrolyzed protein with the carbs, no issues. Um, so, and he gets oh, huge cool. hydrolyzed and, protein in there, huh? Nice. Yeah. So, okay. So with going beyond the carbs a little bit, well, and another reason I should say another reason for the carbs, cause there's, there are a lot of components to that, but you are insulin sensitive, you know, you're creating an insulin sensitive environment while you're training. So you're receptive at that point. Um, you will be insulin sensitive post-workout also, you know, keep that in mind, but you are creating a good environment. Um, people may have heard the term glute four receptors tossed around. Um, that's glute four receptor translocation. That's another thing that's incurring. Uh, and you know, you're going to have that, um, enhanced carbohydrate absorption to put it quite simply. Uh, so the, there are reasons that we are, that there are benefit to taking them in at that time that you're going to store them more efficiently and utilize them more efficiently. And like going into some other stuff you can add some of the pre-workout stuff, like the volumizing things like uh, glycerol, you could add, I mean, you could take that intra workout for sure. If you wanted, um, there's no, no issue with that. Um, you could, in theory, a lot of people like to cram in a bunch of nutrients into a workout because they, they're like, well, insulin levels are up. We know that we're transporting these nutrients to muscle cells. So now I'm going to put my creatine in there. I'm going to put all my amino acids in there. I'm going to put a lot of those ingredients that I had pre-workout besides probably the stimulants. I'm going to put those intra workout because I'm going to jam it all into the muscle. Kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the Milos, um, that's kind of, you know, the yeah. mentality. But with um, different uses of insulin and stuff, exogenous forms, and that's, yeah, which is the difference in how much glucose you have to have pushing at all times, pretty much. But, no, I say I've never – I have never experimented with 175 grams, but I've gotten up to – yeah, I've gotten up to 100, maybe 120. I've gotten to 100, and I use it. Sometimes if I'm cheap, yeah, I'll use a Gatorade or a fruit juice or something. Or, um, but I like to use carbolin like you're using, um, or uh, cyclic dextrin. Uh, or, but uh, one thing, if anybody's listening, I would not recommend using is like waxy maze or something of such, unless you for some reason digest that really well, like during. But I, it's not made for that. It's more made for like a meal replacement carbohydrate during the day to me. Um, to, just for those hard, hard gainers on ectos or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I, and I want to ask you too, because during training, um, you're more insulin sensitive, but it doesn't mean that you're <clears throat> going to be producing more insulin to say, right? Like your, your levels might come, they're not going to be a spiked, I guess you say, compared to like post-workout. 
um, when you're having that meal. And I don't know, I, that's why I'm asking you, um, but also for people thinking like they need to, I don't know, have a hundred grams. They don't need to have a hundred grams, especially if they're, they're not able to metabolize carbohydrates very well. But I think that there's only like a dosage of like 15 to 20 grams really to kind of be able to raise insulin to have the threshold of shuttling in amino acids. And I don't know if that's true. We kind of, we kind of talked about that the other day uh, with the professor, but what's your thoughts on, on that? And then you can kind of go into what you wanted to. I forgot. Yeah. 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 So the, you are only going to be able to produce so much insulin so quick is, you know what I mean? So it's not like you're not just going to be able to uh, necessarily take in 200 grams of carbs because you're more insulin sensitive. Like it's just, that's not how it works. But uh, yeah, I mean, for somebody that doesn't metabolize carbs well, there would be some possibly some benefit to intra workout because they were going to be more insulin sensitive, but also they still don't metabolize carbs. Well, like they're still not going to utilize massive amount. That doesn't mean just because you're using intra now that their carbs can go from 150 grams a day to 400 grams a day, just because, you know, Oh, now we're putting them into workout. <laughs> no. yeah. so, right. So yeah, it doesn't take, it doesn't take us a lot of carbs to have an insulin response um, to get to shuttle those nutrients because you mentioned essential amino acids. So um, yeah, a lot of the people are taking in essential amino acids during their training and that's going to kind of help with that, you know, repair process that we were talking about. Uh, but you, you would need at least a little bit of a little bit of blood glucose raising and then you're going to have the insulins obviously going to, okay, blood glucose, we need insulin, we need to push. And then whatever's in that blood is going to be pushed through as well. So yeah, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, because you're also going to have, like I mentioned earlier, you're also going to have blood glucose increase from, um, from cortisol and from adrenaline and from, you know, all these stress hormones, because if not, then you're going to go hypoglycemic during your workout. Um, so yeah, your body is going to, you're going to produce some insulin while you train anyhow. Uh, but you can probably produce a little bit more if you add the intra-workout carbs and then again, whatever you're taking with them, your essential amino acids, whatever, um, you know, you're going to help shuttle them a little bit more efficiently at that point. But uh, yeah, it's so a couple of things like just to kind of bullet point it is you might not necessarily need crazy amounts of carbs in your workout. Keep in mind that, that people that they're suggesting 100 grams, 150 grams, like have, they just utilize carbohydrates well. They just want to try it. They're experimenting. Um, they're using exogenous insulin. Um, you see like really, you know, really big guys that are pounding tons of carbs. I'm like, okay, that's because they use 20 IUs of hemolog before the workout. And if they don't take in 200 grams of carbs, they're, they're going right. So, <laughs> right. So, you know, there's, there's a multiple reasons for it, but I, I notice in general, just a modest dose of carbohydrates for even a person that's not using any kind of exogenous insulin is still probably beneficial. Um, as far as like adding the essential amino acids, I tend to lean towards EAAs these days versus BCAAs. And I think I'm that a lot of people, that, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that's kind of a that's like a whole nother topic now because okay, so you do eat, you eat pre workout, and people think that like people think that you have to eat. I know a lot of well, a lot of people don't think that now. Like it's, some people are realizing, oh, it's not true, but there is overlap with digestion and the amount of amino acids and stuff in your bloodstream between every time you eat other than, other than maybe while you're sleeping. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So you eating every two hours, like you still have, there is plenty of all that good stuff there from the last time you ate. So if you ate a, a meal an hour, even two hours pre-workout, you still have amino acids in your bloodstream. So what I would say is well, why would you add essential amino acids? All I want to do is I just want to make sure that I'm fully stimulating muscle protein synthesis. So maybe there's in the main amino acids going to be leucine. Um, and then the reason that we're using EAAs is because we want all the essential amino acids. I'm, it's just a security blanket. I'm making sure that it's all there in a high enough amount that I'm going to fully stimulate muscle protein synthesis and we're good to go. Um, so all of those we don't have a complete protein. You could use a complete protein. I mean, there's people that use like Pepto Pro, it's hydrolyzed casein, um, hydrolyzed whey. You can use like one of the instances. Well, the guy that I mentioned, he just, that's just a calorie fitting thing. That's why we're putting more protein in there. But uh, yeah, you could use a complete protein source. But in reality, like you still have some of those amino acids from your meal in your blood. So as long as you stimulate protein synthesis with that leucine in your in the rest of your EAAs, um, you're good. You're gonna you're gonna have the raw materials you need to you know ignite that process, and then obviously you're probably gonna eat post workout anyhow. Uh, so it's not like it's not like it's magic. Like you could train you could train without EAAs. Yeah. You could. Um, it's a cumulative thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's giving you some benefit. It's making sure that you're maximally stimulating MPS um, all the, you know, as much as you can. If it gives you 1% or half a percent, but you train five times a week for, you know, 50 some weeks in a year, well, that's going to be beneficial. Uh, and most people that have used it, they're going to tell you, yeah, I don't get a sore. I recover a lot better. Um, so, I mean, that's, and that's what I would tell anyone that just wants to argue the science vantage point because I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like I know we don't deplete that much glycogen. I know that we're eating before we train, but they're not as sore and their workout was better. So I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. No, I don't know exactly the words. Yeah. I don't know how to put it any better because so many times, yeah, I like argue with people on this and <clears throat> that's where the science base and the, the, the practical or the application come into two different rounds because I personally, yeah, I recover a lot better. I have my buddy, he comes over and he hasn't had supplements. He hasn't taken, he doesn't really take supplements. He's not really like a hardcore gym person. He's just genetically gifted. Um, and he goes to the gym and he started, like, he wanted to get into it. And um, and then he's, he said, oh, I was at GNC though. I was like, oh, hey, what did you get there? He's like, I got these BCAs. I'm like, nice, man. And um, and he could tell, like, I it, some of his placebo probably at first, but after, like, doing it for a while he's like i i recover so much better i'm not sore really and obviously as you time progresses on you're going to be less and less sore just from training the stimulus but right. i feel like taking bca or, or eaas entirely definitely especially with carbohydrates like like you feel 
good <clears throat> without carbohydrates, just EAAs, you know, recovering. But like maximal recovery, I feel ten times better like combining the two together. You know what I mean? I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. And it's not like so as long as if it's a situation where somebody's budget's like crazy tight and we're kind of checking off priority list, I could we could do without it. But um, but yeah, it is it's no doubt beneficial. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of bodybuilders and fitness enthusiasts all over the place that do it and it helps. So yeah, I'm not gonna, it's kind of hard to argue with, but uh, yeah, I mean, those, those are the main things intro workout. I mean, there's, there's some other stuff you could start adding in. I mean, you could really add, I mean, there's other things like taurine might give you some hydration benefit, might give you some cognitive benefit. I mean, there's a lot of like little ingredients um, that you could add in. Uh, but I don't know, like, unless somebody's like, Hey, I have zero limitation on budget. Let's make the sickest freaking, you know, $500 per, per my paycheck. Like every two weeks cost me $500 to buy these supplements. I don't care. Um, I mean, I can do it. Like I can, make, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Oh, shit. I mean, I've got, I've got a pretty extensive supplement knowledge. I mean, like we can, I mean, we can make it as crazy as you want, but, uh, but yeah, so those are probably, unless there's something that you, that else that you were curious about, like those are probably a lot of the main things. Yeah. I just wanted like, you hit the points, everything I wanted is just for like the audience that's probably listening, um, or watching, uh, to kind of like have the basics and to, disclaimer note first that none of this stuff will really work if at all or give you benefit if your nutrition and training are really not in line <laughs> for one um but i feel right. like the once you're kind of like getting more consistent and you're wanting to maybe invest in some stuff you're trying to get to a like next level of performance i guess you'd say then I just want to like the basic stuff, not basic, but I mean like the staples that are going on right now. Um, and I think you hit everything. So, cause that's exactly, yeah. I like to use stuff like that too. So, um, yeah. yeah, anything else? I agree. No, I like the little disclaimer at the end. Yeah. If you go in and you train it like a five out of 10 intensity wise, don't, don't waste your time. Um, I would probably say save your money and hire me and I'll, I'll, make you a better uh yeah. <laughs> we'll do some better training programming and then we'll talk about supplementation <laughs> yeah no i agree 100 percent. well all right guys well hey i'm gonna put austin's um ig and um, email and all that kind of stuff contact information on uh the description uh below here and so reach out to him if you have any questions obviously he's a very 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 knowledgeable guy when it comes to supplementation but also if you have any questions about nutrition or you know, programming or, or wanting to hire him for a specific thing or whatever, feel free to reach out to him. Um, cause I know I've been talking with him a lot now and he is very knowledgeable in all aspects of fitness and a lot of other things too. It's interesting. It's a guy of learning. So anyways, um, for now, that's all we have. I'm probably going to break this into two parts. Actually kind of went a long time today and I liked it. A lot of good information. So I want to say thank you, Austin. I really do appreciate it. My man. Yeah, you did. That was really good. And you actually killed like, I'm almost time to eat again. So I wasn't even, I wasn't even hungry. <laughs> Competition prep problems. Looking at that damn clock. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go 
I'm going to go eat, finish, finish up some emails and do the rest of my cardio. Like you made my night better. <laughs> hey, perfect. Perfect. Well, Hey, thanks again, man. And, um, we'll have to have you on again. Okay. Oh yeah. Whenever. Anytime. All right. See you, Austin. We'll see you, buddy.